Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Welcome to week 13. 13? 13. Welcome to the Please Bet on Football Games podcast. I'm Joe, the keeper of the real, at BMADFTS, and this is my co-host, Alex. Excited to uh, jump into a, a very good-looking week 13. Not- you know what? We can stifle your fucking negativity because we are coming off of our eighth winning week, our first one in goddamn near a month. It doesn't feel like we've had 75% winning weeks because two of them were nasty as shit. Yeah, we, but, we had a, a rough little November, or I guess two weeks in November. Yeah, really just two weeks. But overall, giving out good stuff. Like, our first week in November, I was up five units. And our last week in November, I was up a full unit. But there were two weeks in November where I lost, like, 17, 18 units. Yeah, I kind of had the same thing where I was up three units um, through the first uh, week. If you do the first week and the last week. I won three units. However, those middle two units, I lost 13. And that'll ding you. Uh, so that brings my season total up to a whopping one unit profit on my personal bets. And it brings our pod picks to a actually impressive 6.17 unit profit. The pod bets are still winning 53.62% of the time. I am winning 49% of the time. Uh, well, we're going to get back on top. Mine is not so good. My winning percentage is 48 and a half, but I am down eight units right now. Those uh, those two weeks really, really killed me. I don't know how you fucking accomplished that. Uh, it was because early in the year, I was betting on everything. And so I try and find little extra ones. So even though we would have winning weeks on the pod, I would win like one unit when the pod won like four or three or whatever. So it was just a lot of smaller wins. So I wasn't up as much. And then when I lost 13, that, uh, that hurt. Didn't you also double your unit size recently? Yeah, I doubled it literally the week that we lost everything. <laughs> All it right. Was, it was bad timing. Well, again, coming off a winning week so we can shut the fuck up with that negativity. Want to do some games? Please. All right. So to start off week 13, on Thursday night, we have the Dallas Cowboys going to play the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are plus four and a half. This is a very difficult one for me because I want to do a thing that I shouldn't do. I want to take the Saints plus four and a half. I kind of do as well, simply because the Cowboys, who knows who's going to be on the field for him or coaching for him. Amari Cooper may not play despite being off the COVID list because he doesn't feel healthy yet. Well, yeah, they said he still has symptoms. So is Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy released a statement today saying if he doesn't practice tomorrow, he's probably not going to play. And he okay. didn't practice today. So, yeah, we'll have to see because McCarthy's out. Yeah. And but they have, have legendary the... Super Bowl runner-up Dan Quinn coaching their team. Yeah, that does not inspire confidence for me. The only thing is Kellen Moore is good, right? Yeah, but Dan Quinn is going to be the head coach, so they're going to be wildly conservative. Do you think that Dan Quinn is going to have the power to decide that when he's an interim for the game? Or do you think McCarthy's They made him the head play? coach. Well, I feel like I could see them going, hey, Dan, you're the head coach today but you do the defense and like the timeouts and reviews and shit uh kellen you still run the offense because i don't think they want to let dan quinn muddle with the offense at all no true totally but it's fourth and three at the plus 48 yard line dan quinn punts 
Yeah, you're probably right there. Um, so I think that that's a very, very mild disadvantage because there is also a chance that Dan Quinn, now wearing backwards hats and short sleeve shirts over long sleeve shirts, proving to us all that he's really hip with it, though, he might be a new man. Uh, I don't really want to take any of that into account too much. <sighs> Basically, if I bet on the Saints, it would be betting that Amari is not going to play, and if he or if he does, it will be poorly. I think that's a fairly safe assumption. Like, if the dude is struggling to get over a sickness for two weeks, and he fucking barely plays, it's he's not going to play well. Yeah, and so many of these guys that have gotten COVID that we've seen, they don't come back like right right away, perfect health. I mean, you see with Miles Garrett was a big one, obviously, because I paid attention to it, but where his lungs were just gone after he got COVID until the offseason. Cam Newton, again, I don't think he was great, but he he talked about how much COVID hurt him playing and his ability to uh, keep his lungs about him. And Amari I Cooper, think that's bullshit. I think that the Cam Newton one's bullshit because he looked bad beforehand. I don't want to get into Cam Newton. Cam Newton sucks. I will say when I had COVID, I had super duper mild symptoms and I felt fine immediately after even a little bit when i had it like I, I went and played roller hockey and i was fine and it was outside so it's okay don't kill me um that said amari cooper is two weeks in and still has significant enough symptoms that people are talking about it dude's not going to be right i think we can say that like 75 percent of amari cooper is probably high-end amari cooper for this game so i don't think he moves the needle particularly by hit playing i think we can assume he's basically out and if he's not out he might as well be I think um, that's a fair assumption. I think where we worry, though, is with C.D. and Michael Gallup are still two very good receivers. Yeah, C.D. Lamb should be back. I'm just making sure right now. Yeah, I think he practiced today. I mean, he missed with a concussion and an ankle issue. So I have to imagine he's back. He almost played on Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's concussion protocol. He will totally be back. So yeah. they're going to have two of their top three receivers, which is still a really good wide receiving core because I goddamn love me some Cedric Wilson. And Noah Brown is serviceable. I mean, he's a really good number four wide receiver, um, much less five. So the Cowboys will have weaponry. Zeke will be a shell of himself, but he may play. That doesn't even matter because their starting running back Pollard is very good. On the other side, we have a quarterback change. We do. How do we think that's going to change the Saints? I think they will be better. I agree. How much better, though? Because they've been got off. Okay, so... I didn't think that Trevor Simeon was that bad until I, I realized that he is that bad. It's terrible. I, we watched Trevor Simeon play last year in a few games, and while he wasn't good, he was at least, you know, I, I, he stresses a defense in ways that the Trevor Simeon can't. So while they're probably similar passers, I think that the at least threat of Taysom Hill running is going to be significant, uh, especially against a team that is currently just fucking decimated as far as their pass rush goes micah parsons is a bit of a wild card i haven't seen him spy a mobile quarterback yet this year he has all the tools to do it but like he also has all the tools to cover tight ends and he fucking can't so i don't know <sighs> alvin kamara may play and probably won't mark ingram should play oh by the way um cedric wilson might not play for the cowboys got an ankle what about the tackles for the saints Give me one moment while I check that. So it's inconclusive on on both of their starting tackles counts. So Teron Armstead, fucking awesome left tackle, is 
questionable. He hasn't practiced, but there's some sentiment out there that he may just be getting all the rest he can because he's a veteran and doesn't really need to practice. Uh, on the other hand, Ryan Ramchek practiced on Monday, but then didn't practice today. We're recording on Tuesday. Now, this could be he's getting worse, or this could be he's not, he's he's getting old. Like, he, he could be getting worse. He could just be pulling this around Armstead and trying to get as much rest as possible. Either way, it looks like Demarcus Lawrence is actually going to be back. And that's not what people think it is. He's an average defensive end, but that's a big upgrade from terrible defensive ends. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm coming off of the Saints because if they still don't have the tackles, or at least it doesn't sound like they're going to be particularly healthy, and Camara will be limited if he plays. Paulson Adebo is, he should play, but he'll be a little beat up, and you need good corners when you play the Cowboys, even if Amari's a little under the weather. And four and a half, well, it's a decent line. I don't think it's enough when I haven't seen Taysom Hill take quarterback snaps in forever. I haven't seen this team with Taysom Hill doing, you know, significant quarterback snaps since last year, and now they're missing probably their three best offensive players, or they will be severely limited. I don't want to bet on the Cowboys because the COVID thing seems weird. And we've seen teams have with COVID games where they come in and just completely suck. We've also seen ones where they come in and do really well. So I don't want to just say, oh, COVID and they have some injuries. There's also a good chance that the Cowboys lose another player to due to COVID. I mean, their coach has it. Yeah. And it's fucking Texas. So... I mean, who fucking knows, man? The week after Thanksgiving, shit's going to get fucky. We might have to release another pod on Friday after every player in the NFL is rolled out with COVID. But yeah, for now, for now <laughs> I'll say a maybe on the Saints, but like a maybe that we'll revisit later in the week on Twitter when we know things. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I, I would probably lean towards Cowboys if I had to pick one, but that's entirely dependent on covid list and who ends up actually playing so this one we might be revisiting later with that said you want to jump to sunday not that i have a choice all right it's not the best sunday slate it's it's rough (laughs) to start us off on the early slate the arizona cardinals are going to play the chicago bears the bears are plus eight there's money line now this is another game that's a little tricky because i actually do like the value of the bears plus the spread obviously plus the eight the scythe if you will if Andy Dalton plays, and if Kyler plays, but I don't fucking know, man. Have you heard anything about the Bears' quarterback decision for this week? I haven't heard anything about the Bears. I think Kyler's going to play. Yeah, so last the Bears said Justin Fields has a few cracked ribs and he won't play until he's healthy. When the fuck does one become healthy from cracked ribs? Because if the Bears cared about winning or really, really wanted to play Fields, they could play him right the fuck now. On the other hand, in Arizona, Kyler Murray, they're saying he's they're hopeful that Kyler and Hopkins both play. If Kyler plays, I think we fade the Cardinals. Because this if Kyler plays, this is gonna jump to about plus ten. And it looks like Dalton's going to be starting for the foreseeable future. Yeah, let's see. Oh Akeem Hicks didn't play hasn't practiced this week. Allen Robinson hasn't practiced this week. Damian Williams, that doesn't matter as much. He hasn't practiced this week. Alan and then Robinson Justin Fields hasn't practiced. Man. So it looks like Dalton will be the guy. And then to Mooney, Eddie Jackson, we're both limited. Marquise They'll both play. Yeah. It looked really the only questionable ones are Akeem Hicks might play, oh, but maybe not. And that was, uh, 
that was last week's injury report. I don't know. Yeah, he didn't he didn't play last that. week, but he may be kind of out of the season. He's older and he's looking for a new contract. So yeah, we'll see. And they they have everyone listed as questionable for this week. Roquan, Justin Fields, Allen Robinson, Damian Williams, Marquise, and Akeem Hicks are all questionable. See, the thing about the Bears is that for, for all the bluster about Matt Nagy being terrible, those players really like him. And they I mean, realistically, they are a win and a half out of the playoffs. Like, literally, if they win this game and the next game after that, they're probably in the playoffs. Think about that. The seventh seed in the NFC is five and seven. They are four and seven. Uh, football is so fun this year. Everyone's bad. Every Everything is bad. Speaking of which, Russell Wilson, I'm getting it out of the way early, and I will be repeating it often. As you should. I sprained my finger, so I, I should be able to retake the bar because it may have affected my performance eight months ago in July. I know what you're doing there. I see it. I'm mad at Dave Latham on a personal level. He's taking everything I can muster to not say terrible things to him because I know I will regret them. Proud of you. This is that this is restraint. <laughs> um, okay, so this one seems like another one that I want to wait on to see who's yeah, playing. No. We have to wait because if Kyler plays, we're going to get a few extra points. And if he doesn't play, I'm not sure I want this because I think Colt McCoy is an upgrade from Kyler right now. I really do. You can fucking not, at me all you want. I'm not on that same level, but I think there the, the difference isn't huge. I think Kyler, just because he always gives you that that explosive playability, yes, he will have some mistakes. But I think overall it's it's a benefit for that team, especially the way they're constructed with – Yes, it's a lot of screens, but their deep passes are what turn their offense from solid to good. So I think Kyler's a little bit better, but if you're getting two points on it and you already have a big number, I think that helps out a lot. But I'm waiting because I need to see who's playing for the Bears. I don't think Akeem Hicks will play. I don't think Allen Robinson will play. I think everybody else will play. Andy Dalton will start. Seeing that, if that happens, I Akeem Hicks being out is the, is the one that scares me a little bit. But I don't really worry about stout it. Against, they've been stout against the rush in his absence, and it's not like any pass rush is going to affect the Cardinals anyways. That's a good point. Well, they have a solid offensive point. line, and they get the ball out so quick. Like, We're also in should, Chicago. Ooh, actually, in Chicago makes a huge difference. I like the Bears. Yeah. It, it's going to be freezing the fuck cold, as you well know. And Colt McCoy <laughs> – not a cold-weather quarterback. Kyler Murray, especially coming off injury, not a cold-weather quarterback. So the, this is, you know, days out. But the current weather report says the high of 46, low of 34, 50% chance of rain. So that'll be a nasty game. That game, oh. Okay, I want to take the eight now because while we might get two points for Kyler, which would be fraudulent bad points to give them, we also might lose points because people – like become aware of the fact that it's going to be a sludge bowl at soldier field which is basically a swamp okay the only thing is that it's not supposed to rain all week until sunday so if, and we're you know we're five days out so the weather could change so that's why i say we continue to wait we continue because if to we monitor. make a bet based off of it being muddy and gross out and then it doesn't end up raining and it's just 40 degrees that changes a lot for me the sharp money is not pouring in on the bears yet but it's about to it will come in. Um, I'm looking at some statistics right now. Thank God for pregame.com. Uh, okay, we will wait, but keep an ear to the ground. Keep checking the weather forecast. If it looks like the rain 
becomes more of a certainty as we get closer, we bet. If Kyler Murray plays and this goes up to 10, we bet. But yeah, we're getting a lot of points of in a sludge bowl. It's going to be a sludge bowl. We're getting a lot of points. And frankly, I think the Bears can win because I don't think the Cardinals are who we felt they were. Like they're getting a lot of they're getting a lot of fucking hype right now for beating the Panthers, the 49ers, and the Seahawks. And we know two of those three teams are titty shit. Didn't they lose to the Panthers? Thought that wasn't that Cam's game? Yeah, it was Cam's game. Did they lose? Yeah, they lost 34 to 10. They got wiped. All right. Um <laughs> they beat the Seahawks by 10 last week, which we know means nothing. Granted, divisional games, so it's gonna be closer. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we we should go Bears. We just have to wait to make sure we don't get screwed by anything, yes. and we might be able to get a little bit of value. So I think we'll both just be checking in. We'll tweet it out or uh, release a quick quick hitter if uh, if and when we pull the trigger. All right, so we've got a maybe with a circle. Let's move on. Awesome. Next game, we have the Indianapolis Colts going to play the Houston Texans. The Texans are plus nine. These are fucking college football spreads. Uh, this is a nice leg if you can get it down to under three. That's going to be tough because it's more than a tease. I mean, the, the Colts will win this game. I would I would be humongously shocked if they don't. There is a decent chance that the Colts just say, fuck it, let's get Jonathan Taylor back in the MVP conversation, run the ball 40 times and win 13 to three. And then you're looking at a fucking iffy cover. So I could see that. I, I think if you, you have to use this as a lead, as a lag, you should absolutely not bet nine on either side. I, I'd be interested in possibly like, you know, teasing it down with something, one of the other big uh, spreads this week, but I'm not betting on it straight up. Um, that said, I will make it a teaser just because we have, or I mean, I will make it a maybe just because we have so few actionable spreads. Yeah, these numbers are terrible. Next one's not that bad. Yeah, we could get a little bit of something here. The Los Angeles Chargers are going to play the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are minus three. Okay. They're minus three so, and minus 120. Yes. So that's probably and not to drop. So we have one team who is just serially disappointed. Like, really, the Chargers are the Browns with cooler uniforms and a better climate. Almost to a T. Yeah, it's it's actually like the they're just a year behind mm-hmm. on their coach and uh, quarterback. But it's pretty much the same exact situation. On the other hand, we've got the Cincinnati Bengals, who are just savagely overrated. They are a below-average team being treated like a good team because they are uniquely qualified to beat up on shit teams. Now, I somehow want to fade both of these teams. I'm probably going to get Chargers plus three and a half if I wait two hours. Let's play the kryptonite game. What is the Bengals' kryptonite on offense? Pressure. Indeed. Can Joey Bosa create pressure with the Chargers? I don't know. I I think he can in spots, but not consistently enough. Because it, I don't think Burrow is bad when you just get like spot sacks on him and he has to throw out. It, he's bad when he gets consistent people running after him. Like he'll be fine rolling out or, you know, going around a guy once or twice without freaking out. But I think it's once you get someone's running after him, even if they don't touch him, but they get close to him and he has to think about it on you know more than more than half the plays or something like that where his o-lineman gets beat and he just has to have that clock sped up that's when he sucks and i don't think the chargers can generate consistent pressure like that yeah if you look at the rest of their starting defensive line like inchen and wosu is not gonna fucking tear up jonah williams he's not gonna do anything to jonah williams jerry tillery has actually looked really really bad this year 
which comports with what you see when you watch the Chargers because they just don't get a push. So their their pass rushing ability is dick. Except for Joey Bosa, who will set up whoever is playing right tackle. Probably Remmers. It doesn't matter. He will set up the right tackle and he will get a sack or two, but it's not going to be that consistent pressure like you said. And then the one thing that I am concerned about is that the way that the Bengals will eat you up is with those broken plays downfield. Like that's how they truly move the ball. And the Chargers won't allow that at all. That's a good point. We did just talk about how the Chargers are the epitome of have the top. But I think with how bad the Chargers are in their run game right now, Joe Mixon. And Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon has been up. great. He's he's finally just like staying healthy and he's been wonderful. They are they're giving him a ton of usage and they're carving out yards. So I feel like that's a good matchup for the Bengals. Like I don't I want to fade both teams, but here I would probably lean Bengals just because they at least they seem like they're into it, whereas the Chargers seem in disarray. And the Chargers, what was the stat you gave me earlier? They're the worst team in the league with EPA. Since week nine, so in the last, basically during our betting losing streak, they were the 32nd ranked team in the NFL in EPA per play allowed on defense. And while I don't love EPA as a way to measure individual player performances, much like other stats, it is an effective way of measuring a team performance. So like, I don't want to use that EPA per play stat to say that Brandon Staley is a bad defensive coordinator or any particular player is a bad defender, but as a unit, they are what they are. They are what they produce it to some degree, to a much higher degree than an evaluation on an individual. Yeah. And I don't even know if they're the worst defense, but the, that just speaks to how bad they have been. Would you like to hear something very funny? Hit me. Because PFF, like, we know, we have figured out that the way PFF grades quarterbacks is literally just like, if you take all of the short conservative shots and you don't fuck them up, they give you the super highest grade. Justin Herbert, who has been just disgustingly turned into captain checkdown, is their fourth ranked quarterback this year. When like, in reality, he's somewhere down in the teens. Yeah, he's just struggled. And I think it it, it really is, they've, they've changed him a little bit in having him be Mr. Checkdown. Well, they're asking him to do the thing that he's the worst at and that's the least effective and that his receivers are the worst at. So, like, ne- next they should cut off his right hand and ask him to play quarterback because they're just making it as hard as possible on the kid. Yeah, it seems like they're doing a uh, this is my scheme and it'll work because we have talented players, but they're not actually putting those talented players in the best positions for them. Yeah, I – God damn it, the more we talk, the more I kind of want to go Bengals, but – I don't want to lay 120 and I don't want to lay three and a half. So uh, like the number says it's chargers or pass for me. I don't like the chargers offense. I don't like their offensive line anymore. I don't love their receivers ability to get open. I don't love their quarterback. anymore. I don't like their offensive coordinator at all. God damn it. Despite this being one of the only actionable lines on the slate, we might just have to fucking pass. I'm, I'm tempted that I'll use it as some sort of leg. I'll throw it in with something else just to get get a little bit of value on the Bengals, but we'll see. This is one where I feel like the Bengals win. I feel like they're the right bet. I'm not sure that I think the Bengals win, though. If 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 you think the Bengals are going to win, this is the perfect week to try to get Bengals minus two, tease down a little bit, and then throw it with a leg like Colts minus three, and maybe even one more like Buccaneers minus three, and profit. But I don't know if I think that the Bengals are going to win. 
Let's see what else we got. All right. Next, we have the Minnesota Vikings going to play the Detroit Lions. The Lions are plus seven. All right. So we got Kirk Cousins in his native Midwest and at his native 1 p.m. time slot. The Vikings are basically, as far as like that circumstance goes, as well prepared to win this game as they ever will be. That said, I just don't feel strongly about this game yet. Do you have any thoughts? I think the Vikings are going to win this game. They they really should win this game. However, I don't want to take them at seven. I don't even really want to tease them down because I could very possibly see this being the week that the Lions get a win. Not because it makes sense, but it's a divisional game against the Vikings, who it just seems like the team that it should happen against, especially the the way their games have ended of late. So I could I could really see the Lions pulling it off and getting their one win here. I don't think it's going to happen. That's why I'm not going to take the Lions either, but I hate Minnesota at seven. Okay, so the Lions don't have any receivers that can get open. Their quarterback, Fucky, absolutely sucks, even worse than Kirk Cousins, who, by the way, PFF has this, the second best quarterback in the NFL this year because I, I guess they watch different game tape than me. Yeah, if you have him as a second, it's pretty much like, wow, his stats are great. They're very efficient. No, it, it's purely because what they do is they look at does he hit all of the checkdowns and the gimmies? And Kirk Cousins, for the most part, does. And boy, does he hit him often. So every checkdown and gimme, that's a positive for them. For me, it's nothing. But for them, it's like an actively good play. So players like Kirk Cousins, Mac Jones, Andy Dalton, they're going to have severely inflated, Justin Herbert, severely inflated grades on PFF relative to reality, which is part of why PFF hasn't had a winning year of gambling in five years. Which is absurd. I know the f- they pay multiple people six-figure salaries to figure this shit out using all of their resources and math, and they can't have a 52% season. It's unbelievable. I can't believe it. <sighs> Other things I can't believe are that the Vikings defense can be good. Those Lions are going to run the ball a lot. And exclusively? Almost exclusively. And while I thought originally that – like I was like, okay, Mike Zimmer, they run the 4-3. They play in the base 4-3 a lot. They they actively want to stop the run. They will be able to stop the run against San Francisco because they know that's all San Francisco can do, and they're built to stop the run. No, they cannot stop the run. They can't stop the run, and it probably has something to do with the fact that you've never heard of three of their defensive line, and they have Sheldon Richardson playing defensive end now out of necessity. Yeah, their, their D-line has completely crumbled, and it's just – it's. Went from, you know, typically Mike Zimmer had pretty good D lines in there, at least really big dudes that you knew you weren't going to be able to bully and run through. And that is not the case this year. I mean, guys are large, but they're bad. It's, it's, the defensive line's really bad. The linebackers outside of Kendricks are really bad. The safeties are okay. Harrison Smith will always be solid, but Xavier Woods has not been good. Their corners are not good. Not that it matters. (sighs) Dalvin Cook is out, although Alexander Madison is really good. Yeah, I like Madison. I just, I don't know, man. This is rough. And the Vikings are fucking chaos prone. And I don't actually necessarily like how they match up against the Lions. The Lions will always get up for a game because they need a win. And Dan Campbell seems like just like the coolest dude of all time. Are we going to pass this fucking game? I think so. I don't, I, I can't take the Vikings at seven. It's a I ridiculous number. And the Lions are the worst team in the league. So I don't want to take them at plus seven. You're going to give me, you're going to give me double digits. The Lions are 7-4 and four against the spread. More reason not to take the Vikings, but also I just don't want to bet on the fucking Lions. You know what you could do? 
you tease the Lions. Tease the Lions at 13. Go uh, put them with another leg that we put in here. Man, I don't want to tease up. I hate teasing up. <laughs> I know, I'm laughing because teasing up is just terrifying. It's also not mathematically a sound strategy for a bunch of reasons I won't go into. But, all right, let's, let's move on to the next terrible fucking game. Oh, yeah, this will be especially bad. The Philadelphia Eagles going to play the New York Jets. The Battle of New Jersey. Okay, a smart man takes Jets plus six and a half. I agree with you. I think the the Eagles are a team that they make a lot of games closer than they should be and look better than they do because they're great in garbage time. Yeah. And then when they play actual teams that are of similar talent level, they don't get to have all the like weird garbage time comebacks and things like that that are on Jalen just being able to run because they're playing prevent because they're up by 14 points or 17 points in the fourth quarter. And when they play another bad team, like we saw last week against the Giants, they're just bad. They don't get all the like cheap stats because the Giants just play them straight up. And I think the Jets will play them straight up and they won't be able to get a lead that gives the Eagles like kind of that, that back in to uh, pulling off the win. But the Jets and Zach Wilson loves turnovers. I don't understand how for so long the Jets can be so bad in so many aspects. Like you would think after 10 years of very high draft picks, they would have like a good offensive line, a couple of really good defensive linemen, maybe a skill player, maybe just one good skill player. And they have none of these. Like they have Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss, who I think will eventually be a pretty good player. Not great, but pretty good. Other than that, I don't, love their receivers because for some reason Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims must have the Richard Higgins syndrome where he just can't stop waking up and peeing in his coach's cereal because he can't get on the fucking field despite being very tall and very fast with good hands. At the very least, make him into DK Metcalf and just run him deep. But I don't know. Pisses in the cereal. Yeah, they, and it seems like a lot of the guys that they did draft, I kind of liked. I mean, Mekhi Beckton I didn't love because I wasn't sure if he could pass block at all. And he's been good. He just, you know, got hurt. Again, always. Again. Yeah, it might be one of those things where when you're, what is he, 6'8 and 365 yeah, he's got, he's got, pounds or something? He's got the Joel Embiid syndrome. Yeah, you're just that big. It's just so much. But, yeah, things just haven't worked. And I don't know. It might be Sala. It might also just be that Zach Wilson's really bad. Zach Wilson has looked as terrible as I imagined he possibly could. Like, I thought that Zach Wilson was going to have a very clear outcome, one of two things. Either one, he's so creative and charismatic that he will put it together and be just barely good enough to function within a good offense and make people fall in love with him, a la Deshaun Watson. Or two, he is, I knew he was going to have a lot of struggles early just because the He's jumping up from BYU, where he outclasses everybody in talent and plays terrible football teams, to the NFL, where he has no talent and the other teams in his division do. I knew he was going to struggle a lot. I knew he was probably going to go about 0-6. And after that, his brain might be fucking broken. And after the Mike White hysteria, I could understand if his brain was fucking broken. Apparently his body's a little broken too. And the Eagles for all of my hate on them, do have some really great pieces on defense, including Darius Slay, who seems to be hashtag back. Insert Cam Newton saying he's back gif. But the Jets are so bad on offense and defense, man. Just so... They have three linebackers. PFF has all of them with red ratings because they're so fucking bad. 
I love Ashton Davis, but they're playing him at fucking strong safety like idiots. I, I don't understand. I don't That's understand. Terrible. The I Browns should uh, have a trade. Give us an Ashton right? Davis. We'll give you a Ronnie Harrison. You guys can get <laughs> your strong safety, and we can have someone that can actually cover. Speaking of actually covering, the Jets have zero cornerbacks who deserve to play NFL snaps, and their defensive line consists of, I forget which Lawson is still healthy, but he's not very good. And then Jonathan Franklin Myers, who is apparently having a decent season according to PFF, but he is a decent player, a great depth player. He was a bear, so I know. He was a great depth player for a while, but he's not like a guy. I th- All right, we've chewed on this game, but I think it's time to spit it out. There's nothing here. I don't know. It's gross. Fuck New Jersey yeah. and fuck this game. It's it's very bad. It's, I, we should, we'll come back again later. I apologize to New Jersey. New Jersey's a nice place, but they really got to figure out their football. I've only been in, in New Jersey once, really. It was across a couple of days. It was very, very dirty. <laughs> Go to and the I'm next fucking game. <laughs> in the last game of the early slate, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to play the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are plus 11. Are we going to get through the entire early slate without making a bet? Yes. Dude. This is, is a leg. It, this is a leg, but also I don't even know. This might be a Falcons plus 11. It's the Buccaneers. They're on the road, so they'll start slow. Oh, my God. We wait. We, we wait. wait two series, then we can get the Bucks six and a half. You see, this is why you guys need to listen to the recap episode, because in our new segment, Gone Anglin', I uncovered an angle on the Buccaneers. If you want to bet the Buccaneers and you want that spread to come down a little bit, give it two drives on the road and it will come down because they will not perform. And the Falcons are a little bit the opposite. They start fast when they score because it is all scheme <laughs> because they're just so bad in so many ways. I, If you can get this under seven on the live line, you take that shit. Yes. Yeah, I think that's, that's the angle here is that if you want to bet on this game, either do it now and tease it down a bunch, pick Falcons off the bat, or what I'm going to do or try and do is wait for Tampa to start a little slow and then get a lower number. Well, the thing about Tampa is if they start fast, they will still let Atlanta creep back in the game because it's what they do. Like they don't blow teams out very often because they are too sloppy and dumb. If the Buccaneers got out to a four point, 14 point lead, that's time to like look for the Leonard Fournette fumble, look for the special teams gaffe because it will come. Um, God, this week is so devoid of fucking angles. I just want to cry. Ah, uh, is that all we got for this game? Really? Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing is when they played earlier in the year, week two, the Bucks won by 23 points. But that was a lot of fluky defensive scores, if I recall correctly. It was. I think there were two pick sixes. That'll that do took it from a, a pretty close game to laughable. Yeah, I was at the Chargers versus Cowboys game that day, and I remember looking at the scoreboard and being like, ooh, all that Bucks money is going to lose. And then I looked up, and I was like, ooh, all that Bucks money won? Yeah. Yeah, they were they were up by 10 points. It was 35-25, and then Mike Edwards had two pick sixes within four minutes, and it took it to 48-25. to 25. Have a day, Mike Edwards. All right, should we go to commercials, and then after that do the late slate? Let's. All right, to kick off the late slate, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars going to play the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are minus 13. Finally, a game I can bet on. Not, I don't, I don't fucking bet on this game either. I could, tell, I could see a world in which the Rams come out and after the first quarter, they're like losing by three and then they trounce them. So 
keep this game on one of your TVs because obviously, like a normal person, you have five TVs going during every game slot, right? Um, pay a little attention. There is a chance that the Rams start off slow and then roar back to a triumphant victory, in which case it would be nice to live bet them because the Rams will win this game and it shouldn't be close. But the Rams also have been massively disappointing. I might even go as far to say bad the last month. No, they have been bad. They've been absolutely actively bad. But when you couple the fact that they've been actively bad with the fact that they're probably the, they should be a top three team in the league if everybody was functioning the way they're supposed to, it is one of the most epic disappointments of all time. Like, I know that there was the Dream Team Eagles, but I don't remember who their quarterback was, so they don't count. I know was Vince Young the was Kevin Cobb year? And then I think the it might be the Kevin Cobb year, and then Vince Young was their backup. And the, well, because Vic came in. I don't know. It's not really important. It doesn't matter. Because that I'm sure our over. resident Eagles fan will let us know after this episode. Yeah, have fun with that one. Enjoy wasting all of your high draft picks this year on not quarterbacks so that you can just mire yourself in shit forever. Yeah, it's kind of funny. They have three draft picks and like did a great job at accumulating these. We'll have likely we'll have two top ten picks, and it doesn't matter. Yep. Right. Like, welcome to Analytica. If you do analytics, you will stockpile assets, and then you will improperly spend the assets and misevaluate your own team, leading to nothing. <laughs> Were the Browns right to have the Analytica stockpile the assets and then bring in a football guy to use them? They just picked the wrong football guy? I mean, it's very possible. And <laughs> I like I am not at all a John Dorsey guy, but he still did draft Baker, Denzel Ward, and Nick Chubb. But he also traded for Jarvis Landry and we're browning, so we need to go to the next game. The next game, the Washington football team is going to play the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are minus two and a half. Now this is actionable. This is a very actionable line, and these are two actionable teams, depending on how you evaluate them. So, step one, do the Redskins have defensive backs with ball skill? Do they? I mean, William Jackson is okay. They have Kendall the really Fuller. big guy. Kendall terrible. Fuller has insane ball skills, but they're not like go and pick off an arm punt ball skills. They're more like he somehow makes a play on the ball on every in-breaking route. He's just super and, He's only like 5'9". He'll be on Hunter Renfro, won't he? I mean, theoretically, yeah. But Washington's not that clever. <laughs> that said, oh, revenge game, Jack Del Rio. So keep that in mind. The defense yes, will that... probably have something up their sleeve. And also, I, I I'm pretty sure... My oh, go ahead. You got notes. I did have on my notes, Jack Del Rio revenge game, put it all on the football team. So, I mean, I actually kind of like that analysis um, because this dude knows Derek Carr very well. He knows what he's up to. He knows his, he knows the tips and tricks to handle him. Also, there are close ties between Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator for the Raiders and Ron Rivera, who we used to work with in Carolina, a defensive coach, by the way, and Jack Del Rio who has worked with him at a couple stops before. So this is an offense that the Skins should be familiar with and a quarterback that their defensive coordinator should be very familiar with. Their pass rush actually looked really good against the Seahawks. And I know that people like to think that the Seahawks have some terrible offensive line, but that's not factual. Yeah, they've actually built them up pretty well the last couple, couple of years. They're solid now. I mean, they're not a great line, but they're solid. No, yeah. I mean, a lot. they always got a bad rep because it's like, Russell Wilson got sacked 46 times. And it's like, well... When you stand there and have a picnic in the backfield, and then you run into a defensive lineman, you're going to accumulate sacks. It happens. Anyhow, I don't hate the defensive line for the Skins, even though they're missing their two-star defensive ends. I really love their interior, and that is particularly where the Raiders are weak. Like, Alex Leatherwood has somehow gotten worse since moving inside to guard. 
and then you've never heard of their center or their left guard for a reason. PFF agrees with that analysis. So the Skins are going to get pressure right up the middle. Derek Carr is a bitch, and what does he do when he gets pressured? He throws the ball up and high. Additionally, the Raiders are going to try to run the ball a lot. You can't do that against these Redskins because these particular Redskins have a very stout middle of the field. Jamin Davis, like he's been bad this year, but he is a athletic linebacker who tackles fairly well. He will figure it out. He will stop the run. I don't know if he'll be any good in coverage. He probably will not be at all, but he will figure it out against the run, especially with Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. Just, just fucking, dude, they might tackle Josh Jacobs before he gets the ball. These are, two, this is probably a top three or five defensive interior. And they're going against probably a bottom three or five offensive interior. I mean, outside I, that. Yeah. When I first saw this game, I was like, you know, I, I think Washington is the right side here because you're getting a couple points. And I think Washington is rounding into form, whereas the Raiders have been playing worse. They have, obviously they had the, the big game last week or two weeks ago. Well, Thanksgiving. Yeah, last week. That was nice. But I think that was also the Cowboys a little bit. And you're right, the, that interior line, that'll be a huge matchup disadvantage for the Raiders. And if they can get that interior pressure, you're going to get a lot of Derek Carr oper- uh, interception opportunities. The only worry I have is that I don't want to overreact to the, the recent success of Washington, that in my opinion, their offensive line is horrible. You don't like their line. It, right now, they are. At least on the edges, they seemed... They're just so patchwork. Like, it, they're on, what, their third center? I like Sheriff, but he's banged up as hell, too. Like, it, Is Sheriff going to that... play? If Sheriff doesn't play, that does change some things. Let's take a moment and find So, it looks like Ted Larson may come back this week at center, which is... I mean, he's like the perfect quintessential journeyman center where he will always be just barely enough. Additionally... Wes Schweitzer is questionable. I don't know if he plays, but he walked off the field, so there's a shot. Now, outside of that, they've got solid tackles. So Max Crosby is going to get his, but it won't be as outlandish as it might be if their tackles were a weakness. Like, if you switch their tackles in their interior. Seems like Brandon Sheriff's going to play. Okay, so then that that changes things. Because my issue with them is not that they're not talented or poorly coached or anything. It's just that they're so beat up. And, you know, recency bias a little bit, but the Seahawks-Washington game, Taylor Heineke saved them from so many sacks by just being the slipperiest man on a football field. He was ducking out of stuff left and right where he got the ball, took two steps, and then had to step up and run away from people. But if they're going to get guys back, I worry less about that, especially because the Raiders' pass rush is pretty much Max Crosby. And also, the Raiders... They have the uh, that rookie guy, Nate Hobbs, I want to say, Nate Dobbs, something like that. Nate Hobbs has been really good. He's been wonderful for them, but he's kind of hit at corner. I mean, they have Casey Hayward on the outside, who's a legitimate number two corner. Then on the other side, they have uh, one of my favorite Twitter interactions of all time, Brandon Faison, looks like Fakison. Uh, he used to play for the Chargers, I think, pretty sure. And he was fucking awful in a game against the Eagles, I want to say. He just misplayed, like, every goddamn ball. And I tweeted, like, holy shit, Brandon Faison has the worst ball skills that have ever existed in the NFL. And then he he came at me, like, literally the second the game ended from a burner account, and it was amazing. That is, that is a very fun interaction for you. Like, I think I might have been the only person who tweeted his name. He 
searched his name on Twitter and then immediately jumped down my throat with a burner that had a profile picture of a white lady with blonde hair. Uh, and also, like, it was a hot white lady with blonde hair, so it's like, what are you doing with this account other than this? Like, why'd you pick a hot lady? You could have picked an anime character like everybody else does. Well, that's that's beneficial. I did. I forgot that Casey Hayward is still playing well. I thought he was going to fall off a little bit this year because last year he was okay, solid, but he's been, he's actually been. He's been fine. Yeah. You know what, so, you know what I think though? He's like, you know what I think is going to be their problem? Aside from Samuel. their entire front seven, the Raiders, the Raiders' entire front seven is Max Crosby and then six dudes who are not good. One of those dudes who is not good is Jonathan Abram, their strong safety. I'm doing quotations around strong safety because he's really a skinny defensive end. If they get Logan Thomas on him, or they run a deep route with Rock Carter, Terry McLaurin, or Curtis Samuel, all of whom are blazing fast, it's over. Yeah, I think Curtis Samuel will be big in this game because they'll they'll be able to have some matchup problems there and just how much you can move him around. Logan Thomas yeah, being back will definitely be helpful, though, too, especially if you get that. But will Kwiatkowski be on him? They're not playing Kwiatkowski much. It's no. mostly Corey Littleton and Denzel Perryman. I forgot about Denzel Perryman. Who I hate. I hate Yeah, him. he's terrible. Corey Littleton can, I know he's been kind of disappointing. I mean, he was never like a special player, but he's a, he plays football, you know. Either way, another thing that I really like is if the Raiders, if the Raiders are high on Casey Hayward and they have every reason to be, they could stick him on Terry McLaurin. You know what happens then? Terry you McLaurin five, has three steps on him. You, you have a 5'10" old man who was slow to begin with covering a 6-2 fast as fuck dude who is a jump ball king oh terry mclaurin's only six foot but he has turned himself into a jump ball king and he is blazing fast so i kind of love that matchup and then yeah the more we talk about it like it's 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 skins this is our first real bet yeah this is the one easily the one that i actually feel good about i think there there's some worry that Derek carr can maybe just feed waller because i don't i mean landon collins might be able to run with him a little bit no if if they could i mean he's a linebacker now but i'm in terms of their their front seven guys that'll be able to bump with waller collins has some speed for a linebacker they're probably going to put cameron curl on him because cameron curl is a fairly good free safety um but he's got to take it i don't worry about the, the deep game where you might uh you might see deshaun jackson with four steps on anyone from Washington's secondary. Well, if, if, if Deshaun Watson is on Kendall Fuller, that's ideal for us because Kendall Fuller is built in a lab to stop dudes like him. But if he's on William Jackson, that's iffy. Yeah, so that's one where I worry. Kendall, Kendall Fuller is a good matchup, but I could see them putting him on other people they deem more dangerous. But overall, I, I that's just me trying to poke holes in this. I think Washington's the best, the, the right bet here. Yeah, we're going to take Washington. Awesome. There we go. Put it on the board. We got a pick. Lovely. Next game, we can go to the Baltimore Ravens going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are plus four and a half. My weekly edition of verbal meme. Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad saying, he can't keep getting away with this. I haven't seen Lamar Jackson play a good football game in so long. And for some reason, he can't lose anyways. I legitimately don't think there's any difference between Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley anymore. And it doesn't. I think Lamar runs better. I don't think it's significant enough. That's fair. He is. He he went from you know early in the year where he was very good on his short field throws. He's been very bad on them of late. 
And That's that what was when like, Lamar Jackson and not a good passer. Yeah, and that was the whole reason that he kind of like turned the corner. At least I had I thought that he might be able to turn into a guy that I actually liked because at this point I think he's just an explosive, exciting player that screws up way too much to consistently count on him. He he's just the epitome of boomer bust. And when he was completing the short passes, it saved you a lot because you weren't just relying on him doing crazy explosive things. But we've gone back to that. I mean, really, there are only two big plays against the Browns were two fuck it balls downfield that the Browns just, which, didn't, like, just didn't cover. Okay. So, it, and that's been a theme for them. They have, I mean, they, they lost to the Dolphins. They keep having all these crazy close games and overtime games and everything. But the Steelers are horrible. They're so bad. They're not what the French would call good at football. Like Big Ben, we've known that he's horribly washed, but he is really showing us lately. Now the defense is struggling. JJ Watts or TJ Watts out. The line is still bad. The receivers are okay. Najee's been good, but the team is just bad. And their defense is is struggling, or will be missing their best player. Yeah, because when he's not hurt, TJ Watt has COVID. It's just fucking one thing after another. Uh, I'm I'm looking right now at the layout of the the matchup. And it's just, the Steelers are a complete shell of themselves. They have nothing left. And they're furious, so they're going to be giving their best effort. But what can you do? Yeah, I, like it's a division game, and neither team is good. So I, I, I think it'll probably be low scoring, unless you just get crazy busted plays, which is possible. But both teams are pretty disciplined. So that would point me to take the Steelers just because you're getting four and a half, but I don't want to bet on this game. This is going to be a terrible game. Just like I didn't want to bet on the Browns-Ravens game because bad. The Ravens are just a bad team who happen to keep on playing bad teams. And The AFC North is chock full of bad teams. They're just all equally bad. So yeah, something it, close. Remember for years when everybody was like, the AFC North is about to be fucking incredible. And, and now it's like, actually... It's really competitive, but it's because everybody kind of deserves to just barely make playoff. Yep. Well, we're running out of games, but we can move on and see if there's something else. All right. Next, we have the San Francisco 49ers going to play the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are plus three. And that number is even, so it's probably about to go to three and a half. Am I going to bet on the 49ers? I kind of want to. I really want to. The, I mean, the it's can the 49ers run the cover two show? Yeah. Um. This is another perfect time for me to talk about Russell Wilson, who is fucking terrible. And he's been terrible for now more than a calendar year. His last good game was week 11, 2021. No? What year is it? COVID's 2020. Been COVID nice is year. happening to my brain right now. Uh, I don't have COVID. But this is the other effect of COVID. Last time Russell Wilson played a good game, it was against the Arizona Cardinals, and there were no fans in the stands because it was 2020. It is now week 13 of 2021. He has not had a good game since. Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't watched every game, but that plays. I fucking have. I haven't graded all of them because in week, I think, 11, I watched the game live on my second or third TV, and I was like, oh, I'll go back and grade this game later. And I saw, I was like, oh, my fucking God. This guy's terrible. It's not even worth grading. I can see that it's an F. I can I know an F when I see it. This is a, I, I literally I, I think I actually posted it with the rest of my actual legitimate grades on Twitter and I just said didn't grade but yikes. Russell Wilson is really bad and I don't want to hear any fucking bullshit about how his sprained finger 7 weeks ago is affecting him now because this is who he always was. He always had a really really 
awesome deep ball because he throws that moon ball with the high trajectory. It's like when you shoot a free throw. If you shoot the free throw high and soft, it will hit the rim and find a way to fall in. If you shoot the ball hard like a fucking chicken wing laser, it's going off the backboard and at your face, right? Like we all learned this shit when we were young. Russell Wilson throws a very nice arcing ball. Partially because he's so fucking short, he has to. But partially because he's so short, he has never been good at reading the middle of the field. He has never been good at attacking the second level of a defense. He has never been good at taking the short throws. He's not actually particularly accurate on short throws, which is why I have always had him in the sick highlights, cool jersey, lots of winning, not actually good at quarterback. I don't think that Dak Prescott is quite a satisfactory franchise quarterback. He's one of those dudes where, like, he's a franchise quarterback and that you won't replace him, Andy Dalton style, but he's not, like, a dude that you're happy with. I think Russell Wilson's worse than Dak. I don't think it's particularly close anymore. I think Russell Wilson could be a bottom five quarterback in the NFL right now, simply because while it feels wrong, everything he's put on tape indicates that it's right. I agree with you in that it it feels terrible and, like, is saying this, I should have people coming after me because Russ is... And I, I've been a little higher on Russ than you over the last couple of years. And I still thought that he was at least top 10 quarterback. But this year has really cemented that, no, le- the second half of last year wasn't, oh, they kind of figured it out. And they came back, went back to the lab, found ways for him to be effective. He's just been bad and getting worse for the last year. And it's not so. even just that he's inaccurate. It's not even just that he's inaccurate. And it's not even just that he's old, so he doesn't run as much anymore. It's also that he just can't fucking read. He's not progressing through his plays. There were so many plays yesterday where he had dudes literally uncovered. And like, there's the one that Brian Greasy pointed out where he threw a a 15-yard underthrown arm punt to DK Metcalf. It it was terrible. And he had a slot receiver literally wide open, standing there looking at him for 20 yards, easy, uncovered, middle of the field, easiest possible throw you can make. And he just didn't see him. But not even just that. There were like four other ones where he's got dudes breaking out on the opposite side of the field, wide open. And he's not looking at them because he is staring down the deep ball. Because I think deep down he knows he's got one thing in his bag. And that is throwing the ball high and far to fast dudes like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And if that's not working, he's not getting paid. And I think that he just sits and he, he waits that extra second thinking, maybe that's not cover two. Maybe it's a buzz and they're about to jump down. And then I can get him. And I'm back. And he isn't back because they don't. I don't like the 49ers secondary, but their defensive line seems to be a little bit hashtag back. And their secondary is at least, it is that drop three. It is effectively the same as a cover two. Everybody's going deep. They're taking away the deep shots. They'll give you the slants. My only concern is that Josh Norman is so fucking slow that whoever he covers could get over the top on him anyways. And if they run a cover two, that won't matter. But if they run a cover three, that might matter. Yeah, that's the biggest worry you have. And you saw it a little bit uh, with in the Washington game where their only success was when they hit Tyler Lockett on deep balls. It was the only thing they could do. And it was just, oh, he ran faster in the corner and was open. And they will be able to do that like crazy against Josh Norman. So you still do have to worry. And then, so even if you go, okay, they'll get two big busted touchdowns. You need the 49ers to score like, 17 points that's the other thing the seahawks the seahawks defense is historically bad in all facets it's really fucking bad they can't do shit i mean a shell of the redskins offensive line tore them up and tony gibson absolutely took advantage whoever the 49ers put in that backfield is a is a good bet to do the same 
Yeah, Elijah Mitchell is apparently healthy, and now he's put together like four or five games of putting up yards and actually being able to stay on the field. They also have the best tackle in the game, an adequate center in, I mean, the best tackle is Trent Williams. They have an adequate center in Alex Mack, old Cleveland friend. And then like Tomlinson and Brunskill are fine guards. Compton's a serviceable tackle. George Kittle don't hurt blocking on the edge. I know he's overrated as an edge blocker, but like he's still good. And Kyle Shanahan is still going to scheme up many rushing yards. So I think they'll be able to take advantage of the Seattle defense. I don't know why I'm talking. I think it's just a bet. Yeah, I think we we go ahead, especially with the running game. We know Shanahan's going to have a good running game into this, and the Seahawks are struggling against the run. I guess there is one thing we can talk about with San Francisco, which is just when do we take it? Because it is currently minus three, minus 120. Let's see if yeah. we think the line moves. I think it probably will if we just take the obvious signs. Yeah, it likely will move. Do you want to take it at three and a half, or do you want to go sacrifice a couple points? I never want to take anything at three and a half. Um, so the line has already moved to three and a half at a lot of books, and that's getting buyback. So it looks like it'll come back to three. I'm going to wait. Okay. So let's wait, but it will be a pod pick. We'll, yeah, we'll way, put it in there. Pick. We'll put it in at three because I think that's fair. But like, you know, if, if it moves a lot, that'd be reasonable. All right. And that will finish off the late slate going into Sunday night football. The Denver Broncos are going to play the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are minus 10. This is actually a really challenging one. It, like, because we didn't see Mahomes last week. So how much has he figured it out? How much does he remember that he's figured? Yeah, I think that's a little bit of a worry. However, I'm less worried about that because it seemed like they were kind of turning a corner. He wasn't playing I was, great. I was excited for them. I thought they were turning a corner. But he was playing reasonable. He was playing smarter. And he's so talented that as long as he does that, the big plays and exciting stuff will come. He just has to not be an idiot and turn the ball over a bunch. And so then they get a bye week. And we have Andy Reid coming off a bye. Andy Reid off a bye. Oh, my God. So, I mean, I the, I think the Chiefs should kill the Broncos here. They're at home. The Broncos are just not a good team. With a banged-up, shitty quarterback. And we have Andy Reid off a of bye and the Chiefs who are turning a corner. It's just that it's 10. Well, this is a drop-dead leg. Yes, 100%. This is this is the, the anchor leg. I'm tempted to say Chiefs minus 10 anyway. It's Andy Reid off a of bye. I kind of am, too. Honestly, I like this is where it helps that we have a couple legs. And even if I just took this down to like seven, I would feel a lot better. The Broncos are so bad on offense. <sighs> the Chiefs are also so bad on defense. But they haven't been lately. They've been yeah. adequate. And honestly, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is consistently average enough to methodically work his way down the field against a shitty bend but don't break defense. That's a good point. Yeah, it, it might be. See, I feel like this is we, we're making this bet because the rest of the week is bad, which is kind of part of the game with this pod. So I feel like in a normal week, I wouldn't take, stay away from it. Ten's a horrible number. And Denver does have some explosive playmakers that could get a couple cheap things. And then I worry about backdoor cover. It is in Kansas City coming off a bye. We'll go see what the weather's going to be. It's a good call because if it's sloppy, that kind of takes away our entire edge. Exactly. Nope, it's going to be nice. It's this whole week. Shit, they they got weather in the 60s. Fuck those dudes. Sorry. Uh, Sunday, the high is 57, low is 36, but it's supposed to be sunny. So it'll be cold, but not not terrible, and it won't be gross. So they'll be able to throw fine. Dude, 
remember when the Broncos had a super talented defense? Yeah. There's nothing left. No, they're they're all hurt or gone or don't care. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, they have I mean, I think nothing. Denver's also. Because of the way that we edit this podcast, you guys won't know this, but Alex and I just spent the last 15 seconds waving at each other, telling the other one to talk. We have a very smooth operation here. Man, what happened to Kyle Fuller? He is just such trash. He had like yeah. that one good game a few weeks ago, and I was like, oh, maybe he's coming back, and I can love him again. And then he did not. Okay. Well, honestly, I'm, I'm looking at the Broncos of late. So they just beat the Chargers 28-13. The week before, they lost to the they Eagles. They had a pick six. They did. They the week before they lost to the Eagles thirty to thirteen. The week before that they beat the Bron- the Cowboys thirty to sixteen. The week before that they beat Washington seven to ten. So they lost to the Eagles that are a terrible passing team that can bully you a little bit. But then they beat the Chargers and the Cowboys who are both good passing teams that don't bully you. And now they're playing the Chiefs. I don't think the Chargers good are passing good. team. No, the Chargers are not a good passing team. The Chiefs are a much better passing team and also a much better coach team than all the ones you just named. That's fair. Additionally, on defense, ever since they kicked Chris Jones back in to defensive tackle, they've been really fucking good. And they just got um, not Melvin Ingram, but the other Ingram, the defensive end Ingram. Oh, it's Melvin Ingram. I was about to say, I think you're talking about Melvin Ingram. They got him from the Steelers. Oh, my God. No, I got Melvin Gordon fucking confused with Melvin Ingram again. I all... The Melvins. They, the Chargers used to have two Melvins in Southern California. How the fuck does that work? Everybody knows the Melvins are from Washington. But it's a 90s grunge joke. Okay. The Broncos finally have all three of their wide receivers back and their star tight end in Fant. Their offensive line is passable. The running backs, I kind of like. The quarterbacks, I kind of hate. Is that enough? I mean, it might be, but shit. They beat the Chargers last week, and Drew Locke played a handful of the game. They also had two picks, including one which became a touchdown. That's a good point. Huh. PFF has Rashad Fenton, the cornerback for the Kansas City Chiefs, as the best cornerback in the NFL. God, their ratings are so strange. Uh, yeah, I. you know what? Hey, as long as Mike Hughes isn't on the field, I'm happy. All right, so I'm I'm cooled a little bit on this bet just because the Broncos have been winning against teams that are more of a finesse game, but it doesn't mean I think the Broncos are going to win. I think the, the Chiefs will beat them, but 10, 10 scares me again, but might end up doing it just because, or trying to tease it down. We can return to it. We can return to it after we do Monday Night Football. All right, we can finish off with Monday Night Football. The New England Patriots are going to play the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are minus two and a half. I waited so long for this game. I waited so long for week 12 against the Titans. I Okay, I waited so long for the Patriots to play the Chargers in week eight. I was like, ooh, baby. Finally, they play a decent team. And they're going to get embarrassed. And then the Chargers embarrassed themselves. And then I was like, okay, well, they'll play the Browns, and that's a real team. And then the Browns embarrassed themselves. And I was like, oh, they'll play the Titans, and the Titans will finally be a good team and beat them. And then the Titans had no football players. They had nobody. And now they're playing the Bills, and the Bills have nobody because they lost Tredavious White for the year. Oh, actually, I guess they did just get, like, a boatload of dudes back this week, actually. So they got Starlo Tulele back. That's big. Well, if you've got Starlo Tulele and Ed Oliver, who is finally playing like the Ed Oliver we thought he would be coming out, that's a good defensive interior. Coupled with, I mean, like, they rotate their defensive ends a lot. 
but Rousseau is young Calais Campbell. So that's, that's a great person to have trying to stop the run. And then they have Jerry Hughes, who's just a genuinely good defensive end. Um, Matt Milano's a great linebacker. That's about as far as that goes. But then they have two really good safeties in Poirier and Hyde, both of which can come down in the run. Mm-hmm. And cover those tight ends. And cover those tight ends. And Milano's great at covering tight ends, too. And the Bills are a physical team. Because we know New England wins by just bullying people. And the Bills, at least on defense, are very physical. On offense, they've been more physical than they were last year. And you know what? The, the weakness of this Bills team is going to be the cornerbacks because uh, Trey White's out. Yeah, but that doesn't fucking matter because it's the Patriots. They don't really throw the ball downfield anyway. As long as you come up and tackle them, you're good. Yeah, like they, it might be good for one like beat touchdown because it seems like they're getting one or two long plays a game now. But that doesn't really worry that, me that much. I think where I worry more is the Bills offense against the Patriots defense. Yep. In that Josh Allen is stupid, and Bill loves stupid quarterbacks and playing against stupid quarterbacks. Even more than being stupid, Josh Allen is just not good at football. Um, he he has everything he needs to be good at football, just like I have if I went to the grocery store. I would have all of the things I need to cook you a five-star meal, but I am not good at it, so I can't. He has all the tools to be the greatest quarterback of all time, but he's not good at it, so he can't. They just, they have so many weapons and a good offensive coordinator. And that's something that the fucking Patriots haven't faced this year. Yeah. Okay. The Patriots win games by waiting for you to lose the game on your own. Right. right. I don't think that the Bills are going to lose this game on their own. I don't think they will, but there is a very, I think they have a higher chance of it than maybe an average team, at least because of Josh Allen, because he can single-handedly wreck games for the Bills in the bad way. In the bad way. But even when he wrecks the game, he puts up a lot of points. It's just a matter of he allows the other team to put up a lot of points too. The Patriots are not going to put up a lot of points like ever. I mean, they did against the Jets and they kind of did against the Titans. Fuck. They don't score points on offense. That's the thing. They always get six points out of not the offense. Okay. Other thing to consider. This game is in Buffalo. It is December. Uh, It is supposed to snow from Sunday through Wednesday there. There's an 80% chance of snow. It's going to be a high of 45 and a low of 20. So it might be a wet, cold game, which in my mind goes towards the Patriots because they don't need to throw the ball. Yeah, but especially when you have Josh Allen and he could just throw the ball deep, speed discrepancies become massive in the snow. That's a good point. Fuck. Fuck! We've got the team that doesn't make mistakes, they're good on special teams, and they run the ball fairly well. Not well, but like fairly well. On the other end, you've got a team with... That actually, they, they play the run pretty well as a defense. They choose not to run the ball. Okay, let's let's go look and see how the Bills have done in the snow previously. That we can pull the trigger. So we did a little bit of research uh, off microphone, and the Bills haven't played too many snow games lately, but last year in December and January, they played four cold weather games to end the season. They played the Dolphins in Buffalo. They scored 56. They played the Patriots in New England. They scored 38. They played the Broncos in Denver. They scored 48. And they played the Steelers in Buffalo, scored 26. They're scoring points. Those are all decent or better defenses. And it's all cold weather. Josh Allen is not the same player he was last year. Honestly, I think he kind of is. I See, I think it's, it's similar to like Mahomes where he does a lot of the same things. It's just going bad for him. Yeah, whereas last year it went really well. But... 
I don't know. I think I think the Bills are the right side here. They're a physical team that has a strong defensive line. They have good guys to match up with the tight ends and, you know, running backs coming out of the backfield to catch passes. They're a little weak at corner, but that's probably the weakest spot for the Patriots in their offense, especially the way they scheme it. Here's and, another thing that I want to – here's another thing. We spent a lot of time yesterday in the recap talking about how we have to have courage in our conviction. We need to thump our fucking chest and remind ourselves that we're good at this shit, right? Yeah. Because we've had eight winning weeks through 12 weeks. It's just that half of our losing weeks have happened in the last three weeks. Well, guess what? The Patriots have been, quote-unquote, good for four weeks. And everything before that, they were terrible. They beat the Chargers by three in a fluky game, riddled with bullshit and turnover. They skullfucked the Browns. They deserved it. Yes. But the Browns are bad. But the Browns are bad. And they're poorly coached. I, New England is probably not what we thought they were coming into the season, which is terrible, but they're not the second or third or fourth best team in the NFL, which is what a lot of people think they are right now. I agree with you. And they have, the Patriots have been playing a lot of bad teams. And while Josh Allen may suck, and he sucked terrible against the Colts, they still scored a lot of points. And the Colts, the Colts are better than the Patriots. So let's do it. Yep. Bills minus two and a half. So we have three picks so far. We have Washington, San Francisco, and Buffalo. We have two maybes. Chicago, barring injury news. And then I have a maybe on New Orleans because I'm stubborn and probably dumb. I will not be betting on this. You convinced okay. me on Chicago. So you, you want to add Chicago? Yeah, why not? I, well, I feel like it's going to be a yes, but we still have to wait. I'm in exactly the same way. If I could tell you with certainty right now that the line is getting better, I would say it's a pick, but take it at that. If I could tell you with certainty that this line is going to go down to plus seven, I would obviously take it right now. So, like, personally, you guys should wait. And because we're saying that if this line does go up, you better believe we're going to be gracious with ourselves because we're picking games on a Tuesday after Thanksgiving when COVID shit is crazy and injury shit has not come out yet. So fuck you. It's Bears plus eight, but probably more like plus 10. All right. The other three I had written down were Kansas City, Tampa Bay, and Cincinnati. I don't like Cincinnati. Okay. We'll take Cincy off. Like I just, The Chargers should be good, and God forbid they ever put anything together. And Lord knows they have enough reason to be depressed and try to put something together. They lost to the Broncos, right? Yeah. So they've won one game in the last month and a half? Let me go look. It's not that important. They're If they haven't won one game in the last month and a half, they've lost. They've won two. So it's it's bad, and they have to figure their shit out. I just don't want to – I don't want to go up against a team that should be better against a team that should be worse when the team that should be better has reason to get better. Yeah, they've won two out of their last six. It's not good. Yeah. I see that's why I want to go with Cincy, but you're right. We don't like them. We don't think they're good. They're overrated. No. Yeah, you're right. Okay, we'll stay away from that one. So then we have the two big numbers. I want the Chiefs. I want the Chiefs. I see this game being like 30 points, man. Yeah, let's do it. Because I feel better about the Chiefs than uh Tampa at eleven, especially I Tampa. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I think Chiefs minus tens the the move, especially, you know, this is a tough week a lot of big numbers and with that said i don't think this is the worst uh the worst out uh, worst number to get with andy reed coming off a bye and the chiefs seem like they're rounding into form while the broncos have been playing better they're still just not a good team you know it's fun the books have been getting it beaten up so bad against teasers this year that you can't tease the chiefs to under three 
Yeah, I saw that they would only give you, they only give me three and a half. Well, they only went down to seven and a half, then to three and a half. Yeah, it might just be because it's Tuesday and we're too early. But see, because I wanted to spend this time at the end of the podcast looking at parlays and ways to try to get some action. Maybe we want to do a quick hitter about that later in the week when all the numbers come up. Yeah, I think that's what we end up doing because there's a lot that we're waiting on with some of these potential legs or games that we would use the legs to get us better numbers. And right now there are too many unknowns that I think it would just be a waste of time to try and pick this stuff and then it'll be washed out in a day. So I think we just come back on Thursday night when we have a better idea, Friday morning, Sounds something good. like that. So our pod picks are Bears, plus eight, but probably actually more like plus 10. Wait for it. We'll know better then. Washington. What was the line on Washington? Plus two and a half. Oh my God, we're catching? Unreal. Take it money line. That's our best bet. They're they're plus one twenty. There you go. Um. Okay. So Chicago plus eight, but really more like plus ten. Washington. Maybe we do it half money line, half spread. I think that's since we're doing best bet and we get two units to play with. I think we do one at plus two and a half and one at money line. Perfect. San Francisco minus three. Give it a little time. It'll go back down to minus one ten. I mean, by the time you guys listen to this, it'll probably be back at one ten. And then Kansas City minus ten. Yikes, but it's the better team. And Buffalo minus 2.5. Jesse Pinkman, he can't keep getting away with this. Fuck you, Bill Belichick. You're not a good coach. Not losing games is not the same as being good. That's our five pod picks. And we already told you that our drop dead legs are probably going to be some variations of the Colts, the Buccaneers, the Chiefs, the Rams. But we got to wait on those. Exactly. We got to see how some of this COVID stuff comes out, how some of the injuries from this past weekend end up before we commit to anything, but keep an eye out. We will uh, keep you guys updated on Twitter and with another quick hitter. And frankly, for the next couple of days, I'm going to be trying to convince myself of reasons I should bet the Saints on Thursday, but it will not be a pod pick and it'll probably just be something I do on my own. And I don't suggest you follow me into that hole. What I do suggest you do is answer my prayer when I ask you to please bet on football games. Asta.